On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla reportedly sells out production for all of Q2 before we're even halfway through the quarter. Plus, Tesla buys another plot of land adjacent to Giga Texas, but what for? Also, we've got a new update on the City Streets full self-driving Beta 9 timing from Elon Musk and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you alongside Daisy the Boxer, who is behind me currently tearing the guts out of a uh, out of a dog toy, as she does from time to time. Welcome to Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. This is episode 302 for May 16th, 2021. And I want to start with Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live. Some of you may have already watched it. Uh, as I said last week, this is a Tesla podcast and not an Elon Musk podcast specifically, but... How often does the CEO of your favorite car company host Saturday Night Live? I would imagine that this is the first time that anyone can ever say that. So I thought I should at least just play you one clip. Now, I wasn't sure if I was going to watch it live myself or maybe just catch the sketches on YouTube later, but I did end up watching it as it aired last Saturday night. And honestly, I'll be honest with you, I thought he did okay for somebody who is not a trained performer, not a trained actor, not a trained comedian. And that's, I'll tell you, that is a really unique bucket list item that he can now check off that not a lot of people can also claim. So with that, here is his opening monologue. It's five minutes long, so if you either heard it already or you're not interested, just skip ahead five minutes. It's an honor to be hosting Saturday Night Live. I mean that. Sometimes after I say something, I have to say, I mean that. <laughs> so people really know that I mean it. That's because I don't always have a lot of intonation or variation in how I speak, <laughs> which I'm told makes for great comedy. I'm actually making history tonight as the first person with Asperger's to host SNL. Or at least the first to admit it. <laughs> so I won't make a lot of eye contact with the cast tonight. <laughs> but don't worry, I'm pretty good at running human in emulation mode. <laughs> I'd first like to share with you my vision for the future. I believe in a renewable energy future. I believe that humanity must become a multi-planetary, space-bearing civilization. Those seem like exciting goals, don't they? <laughs> Now, I think if I just posted that on Twitter, I'd be fine. <laughs> but I also write things like, 69 days after 420, again, ha-ha. <laughs> I don't know, I thought it was funny. That's why I wrote ha-ha at the end. <laughs> Look, I know I sometimes say or post strange things, but that's just how my brain works. To anyone I've offended, I just want to say, I reinvented electric cars, and I'm sending people to Mars in a rocket ship. <laughs> Did you think I was also going to be a chill, normal dude? <laughs> I 
Now, a lot of times, people are reduced to the dumbest thing they ever did. Like one time, I smoked uh, weed on Joe Rogan's podcast. And now, all the time, I hear, Elon Musk, all he ever does is smoke weed on podcasts. Like, I go from podcast to podcast, lighting up joints. Uh, it happened once. It's like reducing O.J. Simpson to murderer. <laughs> that was one time. <laughs> Fun fact, O.J. also hosted this show in 79. And again, in 96, killed both times. <laughs> One reason I've always loved SNL is because it's genuinely live. A lot of people don't realize that. We're actually live right now, which means I could say something truly shocking. Like I drive a Prius. <laughs> SNL is also a great way to learn something new about the host. For example, this is my son's name. <laughs> it's pronounced cat running across the keyboard. Another thing people want to know is, what was I like as a kid? The answer is pretty much the same as now, but smaller. <laughs> but we can also ask my mother, who's here tonight. Her name is May, like the month, but with an E at the end. Thanks for spelling my name, Elon. <laughs> Mom, do you remember when I was 12 and I created my own video game called Blastar about a spaceship that battles aliens? I do. I remember they paid you $500. But you were too young to open a bank account, so I had to open one for you. That's right. Uh, whatever happened to that bank account? That's not important. <laughs> you turned that video game about space into reality. Unless you consider that our reality might be a video game and we're all just computer simulations being played by a teenager in another planet. That's yeah. great, Elon. <laughs> well, break a leg tonight. I love you very much. I love you too, Mom. <laughs> And I'm excited for my Mother's Day gift. I just hope it's not Dogecoin. It is. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> we've got a, okay, we've got a great show for you tonight. Miley Cyrus is here. So stick around, we'll be right back. Well, I don't know what you thought of his monologue. I thought the OJ joke was pretty good. And as far as the rest of the show goes, the sketch that got the biggest laugh out of me was Chad on Mars with Pete Davidson. Elon played himself in that one. It was a SpaceX-based sketch. So if you want to go check that one at least out for yourself, if not any of the other ones, look up youtube.com slash SNL. Uh, also, I want to mention, I am glad I did end up watching this as it aired because I got to see a couple of interesting commercials that aired during Saturday Night Live that is almost certainly no, uh, not a coincidence. In the very first commercial block, there was a commercial, there was an ad for the Lucid Air. So again, definitely not a coincidence. And I say, smart move on Lucid's part. 
They knew that a lot of Tesla fans, a lot of EV fans would be tuning in. So that one, as as a startup car company, that was Lucid's best chance to get a lot of target demographic eyeballs at one time. So uh, I thought that was funny. That made me smile. And then in the second commercial block, it kept going. There was an ad for the Volkswagen ID4. So clearly the same idea at work there. And then afterwards, that was it. Afterwards, I thought, well, Ford really missed a chance to get in on the EV ad party and get a Mustang Mach-E commercial in there. But uh, I thought that was pretty pretty good that uh, two companies, two other car companies, decided to air ads for electric vehicles while Elon hosted Saturday Night Live. All right, uh, a quick public service announcement before I get started, although this is still kind of proper Tesla news anyway, because some of you might be interested in this. Just as the Cybertruck was on display not too long ago at the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los Angeles, so too will the next-gen Roadster prototype be on display there from May 19th to June 2nd. As uh, Peterson writes on their website, the Tesla Roadster is coming to the Peterson Automotive Museum for two weeks. Be one of the first to see the new Roadster alongside the original vehicle for this limited exhibition. We'll be open seven days a week with after-hours viewing opportunities for a more intimate experience. Uh, They're referring there, they're going to have one of the original Roadsters there as well. Now, uh, if anybody wants to meet down there, I'm going. Uh, This is one of those things where it's not too far away from me. It's just a couple of supercharger stops away. And it's one of those activities, um, now that I'm fully vaccinated, I feel comfortable driving down and doing this. So I went to book tickets online and Saturday, May 22nd was my original target. That sold out right away. Apparently everybody had the same thought, get that first Saturday, because it's actually only there for two weekends and then obviously a bunch of weekdays. But uh, So I grabbed May 23rd. I'm going to do the museum in the afternoon because you have to book time slots for it. You have to buy tickets in certain windows. So May 23rd in the afternoon, I'm going to go and tour the museum and the vault. Uh, And then I'm doing the after hours, quote unquote, intimate experience with the Roadster right right after at 6 p.m. So right in that first block on May 23rd for the after hours. So if any of you would like to uh, meet me there, I would be more than happy to say hello and, and experience that with you. I've actually never been to the Peterson, and I've wanted to go for years. In addition to now uh, the Roadster, they have one of the three original 24-karat gold-plated DeLoreans down in the vault, which is one reason I want to take the vault tour specifically. And then uh, back to the Roadster, I'm not exactly sure what intimate experience means. Like, does it mean I get to sit in it? Maybe, like probably not, I would suspect, but you never know. I mean, does it mean uh, you get to get right up next to it without, you know, velvet ropes in front of it? I'm not sure, but I figure, you know what, why not? Uh, it. I'm not sure if I'm going to get any better of a look at it than I did at Battery Day when I was fortunate to get to see it reasonably close in the bright sunshine too, which made that paint, the paint job on that thing, that prototype is absolutely incredible. But still, the way I look at it, the chances to see this car at all are very rare, and it's also still not coming anytime soon. So I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm lucky enough that I'm within a reasonable drive away 
So I'm going to go down and do it. Uh, so again, if you're interested in getting tickets, you do have to get tickets. Uh, you'll need them for the museum itself as well as the After Hours Roadster experience. So to get tickets, go to peterson.org slash Tesla. And Peterson is spelled, there are no O's in it. It's P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N. Peterson.org slash Tesla. I would suggest acting quickly if you do want to go. Uh, because again, that Saturday, the 22nd, had already filled up just from the initial wave of emails they sent out to people. And, you know, I don't know what the attendance cap looks like. You know, they're, the COVID restrictions that are, you know, I know they're kind of, things are changing with the CDC right now, but individual businesses may still have their own different policies in place. So as I record this, you need tickets for a specific window. So if you're interested in going, I would suggest booking that pretty soon. One other quick thing I'll note, Tesla posting on their official Twitter account today, as I record this Friday, they say the configurator is now live in Hungary and Romania. So I'm not sure if I have any listeners in Hungary or Romania, but congratulations, Tesla officially launching in your countries. Good to see Tesla branch out to even more places. That is good stuff. All right, next up this week, Tesla recently purchased another plot of land to the east of the Giga Texas facility that the company is currently working on building up. And that project is known as Bobcat Project, which is a really cool sounding name. Tesla Roddy writing, according to documents from the Austin, Texas public database, Tesla has purchased another plot of land that is 150.21 acres in size and measures to be over 6.5 million square feet. It was purchased by the Colorado River Project, Tesla's subsidiary in Texas, that also purchased the land under the same name for what eventually became known as the Giga Texas facility. Sources in Texas told Teslarati that the property sits directly to the east of the main Giga Texas property, so it's almost directly connected to Tesla's main vehicle production operation. Currently, there are no plans in place, nor is there any confirmation from Tesla regarding what the facility could be used for. Well, the most obvious use case here would be a battery production facility, at least in my opinion. We already know from Battery Day that Tesla's going to need as many of those as they can possibly get, as many battery cells and as many factories and facilities producing those 4680 battery cells. And it would make a ton of sense to have a battery production facility in Texas because they're going to be building the Cybertruck there, the Model Y there, and possibly the Tesla Semi there as well, all of which are powered by the new 4680 battery cells. So having battery production on site would certainly simplify and speed up logistics and naturally cut down on shipping costs from having to bring those battery cells in from somewhere else. Now, there are a couple of other possibilities worth mentioning, to be clear. I believe the 4680 battery production is the most obvious and the most likely, but it could be for new vehicle production. Possibly the Tesla Semi, as I was mentioning a moment ago, maybe Tesla will decide, okay, let's use this new building for the you know fairly large Tesla Semi truck. That thing is not small. And then at the opposite end of the size spectrum, you have what will be the smallest production Tesla. There is the Roadster. 
Maybe they're gonna build the Roadster there. Now, Tesla has previously stated that the Roadster is gonna be built in Fremont, but with Fremont pretty maxed out, it is possible that the company might shift the Roadster duties to Texas, where they've got a lot more space to play with. I don't think that's likely. I do think it makes sense to build the Roadster in Fremont, and let me tell you why. Fremont is, by Tesla's own admission, the least advanced of their factories, because it's the one that they have Frankenstein together after acquiring it from Toyota and building it up over the years. And as such, it is, as Elon has suggested, less efficient than Giga Shanghai or Berlin or Texas. And Elon has talked about how each factory learns from the previous one and improves. So it probably makes more sense to do the low volume cars in the, again, relatively inefficient factory. I wanna emphasize the word relatively. We're just comparing Gigafactory to Gigafactory here, not, we're not comparing it to any other automotive company's facilities, but. So again, it probably makes sense, at least to me, to do the low volume cars in the air quotes, relatively inefficient factory and do the high volume cars in the more efficient factories. So SX Roadster in Fremont with one or more of 3Y and Cybertruck in Texas, Berlin, and Shanghai. So we'll see, but my guess is that the Bobcat project is most likely for battery production. But I'll certainly keep you up to speed on any news updates that come down the pipe regarding that. Next up this week, Q2 production appears to be sold out, and we're just halfway through the quarter. This story comes via Electrek with a hat tip to Teslarati, who sums it up saying, citing sources familiar with the matter, EV blog Electrek noted that Tesla had informed its employees that the company's production capacity for Q2 2021 was already sold out, and that's with the quarter not even halfway done. Well, uh, obviously, <laughs> Captain Obvious here flying in. <laughs> Hello, it's me, Captain Obvious. This is obviously excellent news for Tesla. But in more, seri more seriously, it's not as great a news if you're somebody out in my audience right now who's trying to buy a Tesla, be it a Model 3, a Model Y, or of course, especially a Model S or a Model X because those are not coming anytime soon, seemingly, at least if you don't already have an order. In fact, it's extra not great news right now for, for buyers in general because on the back of this, the part two of the news here is that Tesla has once again raised their prices on a number of the models by $500 each. So the Performance 3 and the Performance Y are exempt. They are not getting a $500 price bump. But the other versions of the 3 and the Y are getting nudged up by 500 bucks. So if you're wondering where that leaves everything, the standard range plus three now starts at 39.5 and it's 48.5 for the long range Model 3. Meanwhile, on the Model Y, there is no standard range anymore. It lasted about five minutes. So the long range Model Y starts at 51.5 there. Now. I don't necessarily think the price increase is connected to the demand increase. 
It might be, let me emphasize that, it may very well be, but it might also simply be the rising cost of raw materials given everything that we're seeing right now with the cost of steel and other goods in basically all industries, automotive included. And of course, it might be both. If production is sold out, that means Tesla can at least fairly accurately predict what their production and deliveries are gonna be for the quarter. And thus this price bump lets them also pretty accurately predict their financials for the quarter as well. So they might already know today, or at least have a very good idea of if they're gonna be profitable this quarter, which all signs would point to that being the case, but specifically they might even have a pretty good idea of exactly how profitable they're gonna be this quarter. Now, given that again, we're coming off of consecutive all-time record quarters, I would say the fact that production capacity is sold out for this quarter bodes very, very well for what those Q2 numbers are gonna look like, barring of course, any new supply chain issues because Tesla experienced those in Q1 and we know that those chip shortages are continuing. So it's not to, don't wanna discount that possibility. Next up this week, we've got a new update from Elon on City Street's full self-driving Beta 9, AKA the button. Elon saying, quote, we had to focus on removing radar and confirming safety. That release goes out next week to US production. Then a week or two to polish Pure Vision FSD and version nine beta will release. The difference between version eight and version nine is gigantic, end quote. Now, Ride the Lightning listener, Neural Net Neil, which is abs- an absolutely fantastic internet handle slash radio call-in name. So, uh, bravo, Neil. He followed up and asked Elon, any details on the V9 beta expansion? Is it still going to be people selected by Tesla who have applied? To which Elon replied to Neil, I think we're maybe a month or two away from the wide beta, but these things are hard to predict accurately. The work we had to do for pure vision driving was needed for FSD, so much more progress has been made than it would seem, end quote. Now, Elon also pretty clearly states that phantom braking, which I know a lot of people have experienced, we've had a lot of calls about that over the months, I've certainly experienced it plenty of times, Elon pretty clear that phantom braking should be gone with the switch to a 100% vision-based system. He was asked on Twitter, will pure vision eliminate the phantom braking with bridges and overpasses? And he responded simply, yes. It was a very clear question and a very clear response. So that is excellent news. So there you have it, your latest timeline. Obviously, these things are tough to predict. And of course, none of the timelines that Elon has given on this thus far have held up, but at least this is the latest best estimate from Elon. That's really all it is. It's just the the most recent best estimate. We shall see if it rolls out to that small group of public beta testers next week or not, but regardless, each week definitely brings us a little bit closer. Oh, and by the way, for my European listeners out there, Elon says that Smart Summon should be coming at, quote, end of the year, along with FSD, provided we get regulatory approval. Smart Summon is just a subset of FSD, end quote. 
Moving on this week, still got a few more stories for you. Yeah, one, two, three, three more stories left to go. Just as quickly as Tesla started accepting Bitcoin as payment for your car, they've stopped. Elon posting this statement to Twitter, quote, Tesla has suspended vehicle purchasing using Bitcoin. We are concerned about the rapidly increasing use of fossil fuels for Bitcoin mining and transactions, especially coal, which has the worst emissions of any fuel. Cryptocurrency is a good idea on many levels, and we believe it has a promising future, but this cannot come at great cost to the environment. Tesla will not be selling any Bitcoin, and we intend to use it for transactions as soon as mining transitions to more sustainable energy. We are also looking at other cryptocurrencies that use less than 1% of Bitcoin's energy per transaction, end quote. Well, if you out, somebody out there purchased your Tesla using Bitcoin, then congratulations because you are in a very small and pretty exclusive club of people that can say that they've ever done that for any car since, again, Tesla, as far as I know, was and is the only car company to have ever done it, at least up to date. I have to confess on this, I think I've said this before, but I know very, very little about Bitcoin in general and particularly about how the Bitcoin mining works. But from what little I do know, this move on Tesla's part does seem to make a lot of sense. I mean, it does beg the question fairly of, well, why didn't they consider this outcome when they first started accepting Bitcoin for car purchases just two months ago? I went back and looked it up. It was two months ago. But still, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm attacking them for doing the right thing because this does sound like, based on the data, that this is the responsible thing to do. And it sounds like that they're looking at alternative ways to allow customers to buy cars using some kind of cryptocurrency. All right, next item up for bids this week. Tesla has agreed to pay a $1 million fine and install a solar roof project on the Fremont factory as part of a settlement with the Bay Area Air Quality Management District. This story reported on Tesla Roddy, who writes, Tesla was found to have 33 separate violations at the Fremont factory, the uh, air quality district said in a press release. That acronym is insane. I, that's where I stumbled right there. B-A-A-Q-M-D. That's, that's a lot. So just, just the air quality district. Let's just go with that. Anyway, uh, Tesla settled with the organization on May 7th. Quote, the Bay Area Air Quality Management District announced today that Tesla Incorporated has agreed to pay a $1 million penalty and install a solar roof project to settle air quality violations at its manufacturing plant in Fremont, says the press release. According to the report, Tesla had 33 different violations that included emissions exceeding Tesla's permit limits, installing or modifying equipment without proper permits, failure to conduct required emissions testing, failure to maintain records, and failure to report information to the Air District in a timely manner. Quote, This settlement requires Tesla's compliance with the Air District regulations at its Fremont facility and demonstrates the Air District's continuing efforts to ensure strict compliance with air pollution regulations while seeking mutually beneficial solutions for the community, said Jack Broadbent, the Air District's executive officer. 
Quote, as part of this settlement, Tesla has agreed to implement a community microgrid project, which leverages the company's technological expertise in developing next-generation power here in the Bay Area, end quote. The solar roof project will be approximately 160 kilowatts and will be paired with two power packs for energy storage. Tesla will fund the microgrid system, and the Air Quality Management District says the project focuses on improving local air quality and public health in the Bay Area's most heavily impacted areas. Lowering electricity costs and providing cleaner air to the community are also listed as the project's main goals. Well, I'll be honest, I'm disappointed to learn of this. I mean, I can't even begin to speculate as to why these violations were ever there in the first place, given, of course, that Tesla prides itself on being an environmentally friendly company. I mean, heck, I, got, I just got done telling you about how they're no longer accepting Bitcoin due to environmental unfriendliness of the Bitcoin mining process. But nevertheless, I honestly thought it was important to pass this story along, not only because I think it's important to call out both the good and the bad, but also to illustrate that Tesla is doing the right thing moving forward here. I think that's important to point out as well. Uh, and I would imagine, by the way, that the new Gigafactories are going to be powered by more renewables right from day one. We do know that Gigafactory Nevada has a bunch of solar panels on its roof now, and that Tesla has continued to add more and more of them to the Giga Nevada roof over the years. So good on Tesla for accepting their fine, accepting their punishment, and moving forward towards a long-term solution on this. Finally this week, a Tesla engineer has admitted to California regulators that the company probably won't have a completely self-driving car ready for operation this year. This story comes via CNET Roadshow, and I want to thank listener Gary Eaves for sending this in as well. Uh, and the CNET Roadshow writes, that's despite CEO Elon Musk saying during a January earnings call that the company was highly confident it would achieve full autonomy in 2021. The admission comes from a document of exchanges dated May 6th between the California Department of Vehic Motor Vehicles and C.J. Moore, an autopilot engineer working for Tesla, released via the legal transparency group Plainsight. Quote, Tesla indicated that Elon is extrapolating on the rates of improvement when speaking about level 5 capabilities, said part of the memo from the DMV. Tesla couldn't say if the rate of improvement would make it to level five by the end of the calendar year. Now, naturally, this got picked up by a lot of the fudsters and made a very big deal out of, but let's take a more rational look at this, shall we? I think there are two ways that you could look at this. One, you could take this at face value, and by the way, note that Mr. Moore did say Tesla couldn't say if the rate of improvement would make it to level five by the end of the calendar year. They're not saying they definitely won't. They're just saying they might not. I mean, really, it's no different than Elon previously saying they might get a few cyber trucks out this year. He's not saying they will, but he's leaving the, the door open for either possibility. Now, I think the other side of this is to say that Tesla is purposely sandbagging this for regulators so that they don't have those same regulators breathing down their necks until Tesla is ready for them. Tesla, I would imagine, probably wants to be left alone 
while they continue to work on this very complex problem. My hunch, after outlining kind of both of those thoughts, my hunch is that uh, both of those things are probably true. The truth probably lies somewhere in between. Uh, I mean, we'll get to see for ourselves where Tesla stands soon enough once that button, that City Streets full self-driving Beta 9 rolls out wide. I mean, remember, that's got the full vision system rewrite with all eight cameras in use and the new Dojo-powered neural net training system going into effect as well. In theory, it should be a pretty big step forward from where we are now and also should give us give us an idea of where Tesla might go over the second half of the year once this, uh, this button rolls out. Now, we're already in May, so again, here's hoping that button does roll out soon. And, you know, while we're at it, hopefully the full self-driving subscription option rolls out soon too because supposedly that was due out sometime this month as well. So plenty of things to keep an eye on. All right, that's everything I've got for you in the ever busy world of Tesla news, but stick with me because I've got a bunch of your excellent Ride the Lightning hotline questions, comments, and discussion topics coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Uh, By the way, I want to clear the air, so to speak, on the Steve Downs bumper. I've had like three people. I've been playing that bumper for months, but I've had a few people over the last week write in and go, it sounds like there's some flatulence in the middle of that. And no, it's actually not. I listened back to it really carefully, and it's when he's saying lightning, and I see why people would think that. But I can promise you it's just audio distortion. Uh, The quick backstory on that, uh, I got that through Cameo. Steve Downs was on Cameo last year, uh, sometime over the summer, and it was all the proceeds of his, if if you got a Cameo from him, everything was going to, I believe it was COVID relief charity. So I thought, you know what? This is perfect. I can get I can get this for Ride the Lightning. And actually, I bought two. I got another one for Podcast Unlocked, my my Xbox show at IGN. And so, uh, you know, he just records them, and then you just get sent a file. And so, I, what the MP the MP three that I got sent, it just sadly wasn't the highest quality, like bit rate wise and all that. And and there's just you know there's some audio distortion in there, but I promise you that there is no flatulence in the Steve Downs clip. So let me just put that to rest right now. All right. uh, There's no way to segue past that. So the Ride the Lightning hotline uh, is your time to shine your questions, your comments, your discussion topics. I welcome you. I invite you to participate because I love this part of the podcast. I love getting all, all the different voices and perspectives and questions and comments in here. So if you have a Tesla comment, Tesla question that you'd like to send in, you can do so in one of two easy ways. Either uh, use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record that question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many each week as possible. And email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. 
Alternatively, you can just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline anytime, day or night, doesn't matter. The toll-free number to dial is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And hey, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with Bill in San Antonio. Hey, Ryan. This is Bill from San Antonio, Texas, and I have a question about the new 4680 cells. Elon says that they're not quite good enough for the cars yet, but I wonder if they're using them for their other products like power walls, mega packs, and such. I'm a little surprised we aren't hearing anything about that since they appear to have been making them for a while. Thanks for keeping up with all this for us. It can be really overwhelming. And I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bill, thank you very much for your call. Well, you ask a good question. My strong hunch is that they're not using them in any consumer-facing products as of yet. They're being made for the cars, not power walls, at least for a while. And if they're not viable in some way, be it long-term reliability, targeted energy density, or whatever, they're not going to put them in consumers' hands. I suspect they're just doing a lot of testing with them. There have already been sightings of what are believed to be the Plaid Plus Model S, which is, of course, that's the Model S coming out mid-next year with the 4680 cells in it. There was even uh, the Kilowatts who I know listens to the show, that, that crew there, they posted shots of the of a purported either Plaid or Plaid Plus doing laps at uh, down at um, Laguna Seca. Sorry, I had to bl- blank for a second there, the track down, down here near Monterey, uh, trying to set a new record, presumably. So anyway, there's Cybertruck testing that they could be doing. There's Model Y 2.0 testing for when Berlin and Texas come online and start building the Y with the structural pack and 4680 cells. There's Roadster stuff they could be doing. There's Semi stuff they could be doing. So basically, they have plenty of applications that they can test those cells with while they continue to work on getting the desired 4680 cell yields. I definitely doubt that those cells are going to waste, put it that way. Thanks, Bill. Uh, Let's talk to another Bill, Bill from Wisconsin. Go ahead. Hey, Ryan. It's Bill from Triple Falls, Wisconsin. I was just listening to your description of your new term, left lane lurkers, and I love it. It's one of my pet peeves, too. In fact, I think it's a I don't know if it's uniquely American, but it seems to be prevalent in America. I have a friend who lives in Dusseldorf, and he says if you get on the Autobahn and you drive in the left lane, it is considered extremely rude to do that. Uh, now, obviously, when, they, when you're driving on a road where you can go, you know, 130 miles an hour, <laughs> um, you definitely – if there's only two lanes, you don't want to be sitting in that left lane if there's going to be somebody in their, you know, in their roadster that wants to blow past you. Uh, you don't want to be blocking their way. But I agree with you. It, it's something that we as American drivers need to get used to and be religious about. In fact, I've taken it so much to heart 
if I'm in the left lane for more than like 30 seconds, I start to feel guilty when I see people coming up behind me and I'll accelerate just to get around whoever I'm passing so as not to impede the flow of traffic. So anyhow, I, I felt ya and I wanted to share. Have a great one. And thanks, of course, for your excellent podcast. Bill, I appreciate your call. I honestly don't know if it's an education issue. Like, are young drivers not being taught this anymore? Like, is that the problem? I honestly don't know. I'm wondering aloud here. But it's funny that you bring up your friend from Dusseldorf because you reminded me of a memory that I haven't thought about in years. And I am grateful to you for that because it is a fond memory. One of the great experiences of my life was when I got to spend a month in Germany back in high school as part of a foreign exchange program through my German language class, which, by the way, I cannot recommend a foreign exchange trip enough if any of you out there have kids who ever have the opportunity. Uh, But anyway, while we were there, my host family, who was based out of Hamburg, one day we drove up to the North Sea. And obviously, we took the Autobahn to get there. And even as a 15-year-old kid on this trip, and someone, I know, I didn't have my driver's license. I was not a driver yet myself. Even I was shocked at how much everybody in Germany on the Autobahn abided by the drive on the right, pass on the left rule. It was so starkly obvious there. Like, nobody, you'd never see anybody be just driving in the left lane, period. It was just such a contrast from what I had seen in my life in the United States up to that point. So, yeah, all I'll say is when my daughter reaches driving age, I definitely plan to instruct her on the proper way to drive on the interstate. Bill, thank you very much for your call. Uh, Heading out next to Damon in Northbrook, Illinois. Hey, Ryan, Damon out of Northbrook, Illinois again. Just want to do a little PSA here for what I think is an overlooked feature or misunderstood feature in newer Teslas. That's specifically the electronically controlled vents through a touchscreen. Um, my wife and I are always in this constant tug of war in our X where she likes all the air off of her. I like it all on me. So every time we're getting in and out of the car, we're constantly adjusting the vents. And it's uh, 30 seconds here and there that adds up over time, but it's just more or less an annoyance. I never feel like I have the air right where I want it. When we go in and out of our three, it's just with our profile. It's always where you want it. Um, the other part of it is, is that when you do have to adjust the air in the X, I have to lean over and point the vents where I want them and guess that it's where I want it because my hand is blocking the air. So I have to drop my hand, sit back, say, is that where I want it? And then I lean forward again and adjust. And it's just a pain. Um, I think car reviewers, because they're going in and out of so many cars so frequently that they, you know, say they want this manual control for their vents because it's just easier for them in and out of multiple cars. But they're not having the car for the duration of time where they have to share it with the spouse or someone else. And it's just they're missing out on this feature. So um, I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, you know, another feature that I like about R3 is that the vents are behind the steering wheel. So, like, you get this air directly on you, which you can't do with a car with a typical binnacle. So I think that's a case to be made for maybe not doing a binnacle. Sorry, SNX refreshes. But anyhow, just want to put that out there. Thanks for all you do and uh, all the best. Thanks, as always, for your call, Damon. Yeah, the Blade, quote-unquote, Blade HVAC system is really, really great. And I do feel like it's an overlooked feature in the car when reviewers, or really even owners, talk about it. 
It looks great. It remembers how you like your air, as you mentioned, and it has a really sleek minimalist profile in the dash. And if you've been listening for a while, and I know you have, you know that I personally love minimalist designs. So I am very glad that the S and the X are finally getting it. And I suspect every Tesla from here on out is gonna utilize it. And I also guarantee that in the next year or two, some other automaker is gonna copy the idea if they haven't already. For all I know, somebody's already doing it. But thanks so much, Damon. Chris in Arizona is up next. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Ryan, this is Chris in Arizona. And the other day I was driving on the road and I saw just a boatload of white Teslas. And I know that's the least expensive color for Model Ys, Model 3s. You know, mine is an older Model S. And we're driving on the road, we all kind of look the same. And then up comes by us a beautiful baby blue Porsche Taycan. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be nice if Teslas came in different colors? And I know we have red and blue and metallic and silver and black, but it would be nice to have other colors. And here's my thought, is that, you know, similar to, you know, the um, sneakerhead craze where they have drops of special shoes and they're only available for a limited time and they sell out right away. Why doesn't Tesla have like a drop of a special color, maybe like once a quarter, and um, they have it in maybe Model S, or Model 3 or Model Y is going to be a special color. Let's say Neptune purple or Soul yellow or Dogecoin brown or whatever, you know, moon gray. And um, every quarter they could have this color and it would be more fun. It would just kind of put some fun back into the, uh, the cars a little bit. I think that people would pay a premium, probably a pretty high premium for that. I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know, I'm just saying $5,000. Throw that out there, $5,000. For one day, every car costs $5,000 more. Tesla makes more money. They just have to pump out a different color for the day. Um, And then, you know, Elon can announce that color at the end of each quarterly call. By the way, next, you know, and then they go on sale on a certain day, and I bet you the orders would just skyrocket for that day for that special color that's never going to be painted again. Just a thought. Hey, I kept it close to 90 seconds. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Chris, let me start by saying I absolutely love this idea. Everything you just said would be super fun and on paper makes a lot of sense. The issue as I see it is that, number one, Tesla doesn't have a demand problem. We just talked about how they are totally sold out for Q2 before Q2 is even halfway over. And as such, manufacturing simplicity and efficiency are the one and 1A priorities at all times at this point. Doing other colors would probably only, not probably, it would, it would only slow them down and might not be worth the increased revenue that they would make. I mean, heck, that's almost certainly why we only have five pretty plain colors in the first place, and it's been the same five colors for years at this point, predating the Model 3, in fact. Also, uh, it does create a bigger hassle for service centers. If you suddenly have, you know, a dozen colors, that you have to keep track of and service rather than just a handful. Again, I don't want you to think I'm dismissing your idea or taking Tesla's side. I'm just trying to look at it from how Elon would probably answer your question if he was sitting here on the podcast right now. I would be thrilled for them to do this. And I love the analogy that you made to rare sneaker drops. The good news is that Elon has hinted at new colors as the new paint shops come online in Berlin and presumably Texas as well. Because as I said, we're now on, I I had to look this up, we're now going on 
eight years with this current batch of colors, with the exception of Midnight Silver Metallic, which is only, and I'm using some serious air quotes here, six or seven years old. It replaced the original Dolphin Gray, which I actually quite liked. Uh, And then there was, you know, there have been one or two colors that have come and gone quickly. I mean, there was green and brown on the S in the beginning, and then there was Titanium Silver Metallic that the S and the X had, which didn't last too long. But anyway, Chris, thank you so much for your call. Graham from South Australia is up next. Welcome, Graham. Hi, Ryan. This is Graham from South Australia. Uh, I love listening to your podcast and want to thank you for everything you do for the Tesla community. Uh, My question is regarding the recent um, uh, notification that they're going to drop radar and just go with pure vision sensors for the um, autopilot and so forth. Um, I was wondering if you or anyone else has ever heard of whether they've considered or thinking about using infrared as well. And the reason I mainly think about that is because here in Australia, we have a real problem when we're driving out in the country at nighttime that kangaroos like to hide behind bushes and then just jump out at us at just the wrong time. And they can do a heap of damage to a car. And I'm sure there's other wildlife in other countries that like to do the similar trick. And I was just thinking with infrared, you could potentially pick up on their body heat. Um, It's also just an extra bit of insurance at nighttime with uh, pedestrians as well, that if you can pick up body heat, then that's another great um, addition to the sensor array. But also maybe the vision is that good that it can pick up stuff in very low light as well. And perhaps that's enough. But um, I was just thinking if there's an obstruction and they can see some body heat through that obstruction like a bush could be really useful. Um, anyway, love your podcast and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. Cheers. Well, Graham, your kangaroos are our deer. That's uh, that's what we get here. And I agree that it'd be great insurance against pedestrians as well. I mean, basically, I think you're asking for predator vision for your car. And I, to be clear, am 100% on board with that. Now, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I mean, I imagine Elon would point to the same thing he said about the loss of radar and its ability to see the two cars ahead. He said the probability of something slipping by all the forward-facing cameras is low, so they're going to go with those probabilities and not add any extra hardware to the cars that they don't have to. Uh, Thank you very much for calling in. By the way, thank you to regular caller Brian in Pennsylvania who also called in about the same exact thing Except when he called in, he mentioned deer instead of kangaroos. It's just just a matter of where in the world you are. Uh, but by the way, it's it's funny that Brian also suggested infrared. So the audience on the same wavelength with this, which is awesome. Thanks, Graham, and thank you, Brian, as well. Let me take one more call for this week because we're getting kind of long here in the show. Joel from nearby Sonoma County. Go ahead, Joel. Hi, Ryan. It's Joel up in Sonoma County, wine country. I really enjoy using full self-driving in my Model 3 on the freeway with a couple exceptions. The phantom braking is a bit scary, but it happens pretty rarely. What scares me much more is when my car is in the slow lane and traffic is merging onto the freeway. My human intuition informs me what needs to be done, but so many times I chicken out and take the car off autopilot because it just does not seem to be making a good decision allowing the car to merge. Can it see turn signals, for example? How about the subtle hints watching the actual driver? 
will full self-driving ever reach that level of nuance? I don't doubt the car will avoid a collision, but at the same time, it does not give the merging driver any assurance that they will be given the leeway by either speeding up or slowing down to make room. I'm sure your callers have covered this before, but I've only been listening since the Elon interview, so I'm interested to hear your experience with this. Oh, and I think autopilot needs to be needs to regulate speed automatically. If I'm driving south on 101 at 65 miles per hour, when I reach the Waldo Gray near the Golden Gate Bridge, it gets kind of hair-raising if I don't slow down for the curbs. Thanks for your podcast. Enjoy it very much. You are so right, Joel. Recognizing turn signals is a big thing that autopilot doesn't do yet, but needs to. And it will. Both Elon and Andre Carpathy, the head of the Tesla autopilot team, have talked about it at various times. And I think that will go a long way. Now, of course, not everyone uses a turn signal, particularly when they're merging onto the freeway, but it's at least something. I mean, we can only hope that as the eight-camera pure vision rewrite that we've been talking about deploys to the fleet here in the coming few months and the neural net continues to learn via Dojo that that merging behavior is going to improve. Because I agree with you, it can be anxiety-inducing. Sometimes it does a great job, and sometimes it doesn't behave like a real person would at all. So... Thanks so much for your call, Joel. Thank you to everybody who called in. Again, I've got plenty of room for your calls each week. I want to make time for them, so keep them coming. I gave you the two ways that you can dial in uh, at the top of this segment, so refer back to that, and I look forward to hearing from all of you, or at least a good number of you. All right, with that, let me take a quick, short little break, and I'll be right back with your pro tip of the week and a bit more right after this. I want to give you an entertainment recommendation of the week as well as your pro tip of the week. But before I do that, I first want to say a special thank you to both the Tesla engineering team as well as the Tesla San Francisco service center team headed by the service manager, David, there. Uh, They reached out to me after I last had my car in for, again, you remember that just strange post-supercharging autopilot swerving problem I was having that I couldn't reliably recreate, and neither could they when I brought it in twice. Well, they took a deeper look at it, and I got a call, uh, and they were able to, in in taking a deeper look, they were able to find some anomalies kind of buried under the surface. I don't know kind of exactly what that means, but they, they were able to see some things that weren't normal, so they had me bring the car back in and they replaced my hardware three computer, my full self-driving computer. And I've got it back. I just got it back today. They had it for a day, which is, you know, kind of typical of, of a uh, full self-driving computer upgrade. And so far, I mean, I've, I've only barely been able to test it. You know, the, the real acid test is going to be on my next proper road trip. I mean, that's, you know, when I'm really heating the battery up, supercharging, and that'll be next weekend, actually, when I'm going to go down and see the Roadster at the Peterson Museum in L.A. So, uh, But regardless, I'm very confident that based on what they told me about, you know, they took a deeper look and they think that replacing the computer will do it, and just the fact that the full self-driving computer is the, the brain of the whole thing, I'm confident that it's finally going to be fixed. I don't know ultimately what it is, like what the actual issue was, 
uh, with it. And, and I hope that they're taking my, my, uh, my old full self-driving computer and they're going to go study it and just dissect it and see if they can learn anything from it. But in any case, I just wanted to send a, a special thank you to David and the Tesla San Francisco service center team and the Tesla engineering team as well. I very much appreciate them taking a, a deeper look at it when, you know, when I left, you know, not, I mean, f- f- yeah, okay. Frust- I was a little frustrated, not angry or anything, but they, uh, they, they got it right. They really got in and, and uh, took the extra time. And I appreciate that. Uh, entertainment wise, I have not mentioned a show or a video game in a while, I'm going to mention, I guess, I mean, I'm starting to play Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I'll talk more about that next week after I've had more time to to get back into it. Just came out today as I record. But I will say, uh, I try to give family-friendly recommendations, but Invincible, which is a superhero cartoon on Amazon Prime, it is the opposite of family-friendly. It is so not safe for work, so not safe for, for kids, but my goodness, is it good. I won't ruin any of this plot surprises or anything, but just give it one episode. And if by the end of that first episode, you're not feeling it, so be it. But it's uh, it's honestly, it's my favorite show of 2021 thus far. It's real. Like I loved it. So check that out. All right. Pro tip of the week time. Here's Penny from the Bay Area. Hey, Penny. Hi, I'm Penny, and I'm calling from the Bay Area, although I am from Australia. Um, I'm 10, and my dad has a tip. G'day, Ryan. Uh, Yeah, we're from Australia, and uh, we moved here two years ago, and I was thrilled to be able to buy a long-range Model 3. Uh, We've listened to your show for a long time, Uh, first-time caller, although my son and I got to meet you at the Fibra Takeover earlier this year, which was a lot of fun. Um, and as my daughter said, I do have a tip. Uh, we've been trying to think of a tip that we can ring up for. And uh, I've got a tip I don't think anyone's covered before, uh, and I find it useful. Um, sometimes um, when you're transporting furniture or something large in the boot or the trunk, as you call it, here, um, you might not be able to actually close the trunk. And there's no connectors on the top part of the trunk to be able to close it. Uh, so what I do is I've got like a short bungee cord uh, about 10 inches long um, and I've just tied like a little knot towards one end you don't you don't need the knot but it just helps you align it and what you do is you just push the cord uh, through the latch that's on the trunk and the car will think that it's closing and it'll actually lock in place around the bungee cord and, and it will be really solid in there and it won't come out and then you can just hook it onto the um, onto the connector that's on the bottom part of the trunk that it normally pushes into. And, uh, and I just put like both uh, hooks at the end of the bungee cord onto that and, uh, and it keeps it nice and closed. The car thinks the, the trunk is closed and uh, it seems to work really well. And then when you get home or wherever you're going, you just press open trunk and it will release your bungee cord and uh, you can unload. So I hope that's um, a useful tip of the week. We listen every Sunday, my daughter, my son, my wife and I. So we're hoping to uh, hear our tip of the week one time if it's uh, useful. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Oh, man. You know, I think I've got to stop and, and give myself some uh, a little slap on the wrist here because I just got done recommending a TV show that's totally not for kids and then immediately played a hotline call, a pro tip of the week from a kid. So that's, I probably could have thought that through a little better. It's just a, I guess a little peek behind the curtain for you. 
I typically do the pro tip of the week as one of the first things I do in prepper in preparing the podcast each week. So it's kind of like I it's the first thing I do, and then I and then I just have it in my notes, and I forget about it until it's until now, until I'm sitting down to record. So maybe those weren't the two best things to put back to back, but uh, oh well, I guess live and learn. Anyway, uh, Penny. And Peter, thank you so much for calling in. I really appreciate it. And I'll say that that is a clever approach for those times when you've got oversized items to transport, which does happen. So all the best to all of you. And I hope to see you at another event soon. All right. If you've got a pro tip of the week, as Penny and Peter did, please send it in the same way that you send in the the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. Again, something unique, something interesting, something that's not obvious about the car that is some way uh, is in some way improved your Tesla experience. That's that's the definition of a pro tip. All righty here. Let's see. Let's go next to the plugs. Let me mention some friends of the podcast here, starting with AbstractOcean.com, purveyors of many fine Tesla goods, including the tempered glass screen protectors. They've got the uh, console wraps for even the second generation consoles as well, not just the first generation. There's, uh, let's see, I'm actually clicking around their website now. The door release buttons, for those of you like me that have, uh, I guess most of us at this point still have the just horizontal line on your door release button and you have to explain it to literally everyone new that gets in your car. Well, they sell that nice little, it's 11 bucks for a set of four door release buttons. They look nice, they go right on there, makes it very obvious that you are, that it's the button will open the door. So there's that. There's uh, there's just all kinds of stuff. There's the HEPA cabin air filters you could grab, although they're showing sold out right now. There's the key fob pockets if you want to do that. Just all kinds. There's so much stuff. AbstractOcean.com for any of the Teslas. They got a lot. Check it out and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout in order to get 15% off of your first order. Meanwhile, the snap plate is the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds. It's paint safe. It's grill safe. It's radiator safe. It's autopilot safe. It's a nice, clean, minimal design. You can take it off uh, with the secure tool pretty easily, and it's you know it's it's going to come on and off without damaging anything or scratching anything. Uh, it is the front license plate bracket for people that ideally don't want to have a front license plate bracket, but need to get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. That's everyamp.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections here in the greater San Francisco Bay area. If you and or your car are going to be here, be sure to get your car a spa day at Immaculate Reflections. Maybe you want to do some paint protection film, protect it from rocks and debris. Maybe you want to do a ceramic coating. Maybe you want to do paint correction. Just clean up that the, the paint itself, get all those little scratches and flaws out of it. Uh, Jeff at Immaculate Reflections will do wizard-like work. My car is rolling proof 
of what this man is capable of. He's a wonderful person and an exceptionally talented detailer. And he's booking up, so my uh, friendly advice would be to get in touch with him sooner rather than later if it's something you're thinking about doing so that you can get on his calendar. Visit his website, irdetailing.com, in order to learn more, see some examples of his work, and get in touch and book with him. How about puretesla.com slash RTL? Your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. I uh, recommend the 128 gig kit for 50 bucks. Shipped, free, no problem. You can step up and do the 256 gig kit for 69 if you want to, but 128 will get you a long way. And it's, uh, again, comes fully formatted right into the package. Just plug it straight into the car. It's ready to go. Micro SD based, so you're never going to have to worry about that flash memory just burning out on you. It's a, it's a long-term good solution. I recommend it. PureTesla.com slash RTL. And then, of course, Jada. And they've got a whole line now of cool Tesla products. My favorite of which, as I always say, is the wireless charging pad for the Model 3. I mean, if you've got a brand new Model 3, you've got this built in already from Tesla. But for the rest of us, the wireless charging pad, I feel, I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a must, but it's a really, really, really nice feature to have since most modern smartphones can wirelessly charge now. So whether you're doing the wireless charging pad, the USB hub, the SSD drive that plugs into the USB hub very seamlessly, or their new Jada tray, that's a nice center console organizer that doubles as a wireless charger for your Apple AirPods and Pixel Buds. All that stuff can be found at Jada. Use the coupon code RTL for a nice discount. And the URL to use, please, if you wouldn't mind, this is my referral URL, full transparency. They'll throw me a few bucks from the sale if you go in through my URL. And so that is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, uh, I think finally, right? That's everybody. Yes. Finally is the Patreon. So thank you so much to everybody that's backing me on Patreon. Your support is genuinely what keeps me going. I mean, I, I, if I weren't getting anything on Patreon, I would not be able to keep this, justify the, the continuing uh, production of this podcast. But through the generosity of you guys, I'm, uh, I'm able to, to keep it going. So I appreciate that. If at some point, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's next week or next month, you you are uh, you find yourself saying, you know what? It's time. It's time that I supported Ryan on Patreon. I would sincerely appreciate that. You can find all the information, all the various tiers that you can support at, and all the various bonuses that you get at those support tiers. All that's on my Patreon page, which is at Patreon.com/TeslaPodcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. All right. Uh, I'm also, I guess I, I barely ever mentioned my Instagram, which is all Tesla stuff. Twitter is admittedly mostly video games because it's really part of my day job, but I'll talk Tesla on there from time to time. But really, Instagram, if you don't care about my video game stuff, Instagram is just all Tesla stuff all the time. Uh, I'm admittedly not as active on it. I post maybe two, three times a week versus Twitter being a daily thing. But anyway, if you want to follow me on either Twitter and or Instagram, it's the same handle on both DMC underscore Ryan. Okay, the plaid, maximum plaid and Roadster in Space tier backers of my Patreon. This is the time where I want to say hello and thank you to all of them, starting 
with Derek Nesselrote, the latest Maximum Plaid backer. Thank you so much, Derek. The rest of the Maximum Plaid crew, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, MT, Will Stedman, Tyler Smith, and Mait Suaru. Thank you so much to all of you. And then the Roadster in Space tier, thank you to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, at my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, and Scooter Ward. Thanks to all of you. And the Plaid folks, thank you so much. Now, the Plaid folks, some of these, like George Cassioppo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, a lot of these names, Joel Sapp, uh, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, have been backing me at the plaid level for a really long time. And I just want to take a quick extra special shout out to that group that I just mentioned, because all of you have been very generous and very supportive of me for a really long time. And I, it does not go... Uh, it is not unrecognized. I don't take it for granted. I really do appreciate it. So thanks to all of you. And I don't mean to to sort of ar- arbitrarily cut that off. I mean, Dory and Steve Guberman as well. Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris. A lot of these folks, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, really a, a lot of them have been backing me for a while. David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak. Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Nolan Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners, East Bay Club, Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, The Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, and Jonathan Zelezny. Pardon me, Jonathan, sorry. Jonathan Zelezny, thank you all so, so much. I really appreciate the support. Again, it goes a long, long way for me and my family. So I do very much appreciate it. For a snoozing Daisy the Boxer, that will wrap it up for Ride the Lightning episode 302. It's been a fun one. Lots of great stuff to talk about. So uh, next week's show, we'll just, yeah, I'll have recorded it before I go, because I'm going down to LA on, I'll be leaving Sunday morning to go down to the, the museum Sunday afternoon and see the Roadster on you know Sunday evening, so I'll talk about that in two shows from now. Maybe if I'm lucky, I'll see a few of you there. That would be great. But uh, yeah, looking forward to that. That'll be a fun and also, like I said, a good road trip test of my new replacement autopilot computer. But in any case, I look forward to another fun week of Tesla news for next week, which will be a palindrome 303 next week. So that will of course be at the usual time of Friday. Excuse me, Friday. I recorded on Friday. It'll air at the usual time of Sunday at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern. And then uh, Patreon backers at the $5 tier and up can get it basically when they wake up Saturday morning because typically it gets done very, very, very late on Friday night 
went late enough that everybody's asleep. So you wake up on Saturday and it's there for you. Anyway, uh, happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.